but I want to turn your attention to 2 Kings chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading at verse 3. And we're going to jump around to a couple of different verses here, and uh, I'm going to read it, and, and if you want to follow along, here's what the word of the Lord says. There were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And I want to continue reading at verse 5. They rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver, gold, raiment, went and told it, came again, entered into another tent, carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Verse 12, the king arose in the night said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. Verses 14 and 15, and then we're done. They took, therefore, two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste and the messengers returned and told the king and I want to speak to you this morning on this subject expect the blessing expect the blessing I want you to turn around and tell somebody give them that admonishment that encouraging word just look them straight in the eye and tell them expect the blessing Hallelujah. One more time, let's clap our hands unto the Lord, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of Mark contains an interesting account having to do with King Herod, who, if you don't know King Herod was he was an, a, a, a wicked king and he he was just like most kings of the ancient days where he just kind of did as he pleased and as he pleased was not typically a righteous thing and so he lived his life that way and uh, one of the things that this particular Herod and there were several but this particular Herod that he was notor notorious for is that he was the one who ordered the execution of John the Baptist. Uh, he was uh, pleased by the dance of, of uh, the young lady, Herodias' daughter, and, uh, and she, he said to her in this moment of, of, uh, this moment of drunken uh, 
debauchery. He said, whatever you want, you ask of it, I'll give it to you to the half of my kingdom. And uh, she consulted with her mother as to what she should ask. And it was decided that what should be asked was the head of John the Baptist in a charger to decapitate John the Baptist. Herod was not expecting that request, but he was on record in front of many witnesses as making this vow, and he had to go through with it because of that in his mind, and so he, he did. He went through with it, and John the Baptist, who had been in prison, now had his head lifted from his shoulders, and that was the inglorious death of the greatest prophet that was ever born of, of a woman. And that's the label that Jesus gave him, the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. This man that was the forerunner to Messiah, forerunner to Jesus Christ, the way that he died was that his head was taken off by a wicked king. Not only was that such a terrible travesty uh, to have occurred, but this was also something that haunted Herod for, for many years. And, and in fact, uh, the book of Mark records this moment that I'm... I'm building up to, Herod had just heard the news of the ministry of Jesus. He had heard that the lame were walking, that the blind could see, that the deaf could hear. He heard that there were many miracles being take, that were taking place at the hands of the ministry of Jesus, one Jesus of Nazareth. And when he heard this news, now we call that the gospel, that he lived, he died, was buried, resurrected from the dead, and that he came to give life and that more abundantly. We call that the gospel, and the gospel simply means the good news. Herod was receiving good news. It is, it is good news when the blind can see. It is good news when the deaf can hear. It is good news when the dead are raised to life. It is good news when the work of Jesus Christ goes unabated throughout the land. And yet when Herod heard this news, he had three words of a response. He said, it is John. That's all he said. It is John. He couldn't rejoice in the good news that Jesus had come to seek and save that which was lost. No, he was stuck. He was emotionally and mentally, spiritually stuck in a point in his life when he had made the most dreadful mistake a person could ever make. And that mistake, of course, was taking off the head of John the Baptist. It, it, it was a slippery slope that led him to this place. It was, it was drunkenness. It was debauched living. It was adulterous living. It was, it was living a life that was anti-God and, and brought him to a point that he never dreamed he would arrive at. But there he was. Now he's actually ordering the execution of John the Baptist. And he couldn't live with himself. Not even the good news of Jesus Christ that when he heard it, he wasn't even able to process it the way it should have been processed. And he just relegated it to the news that was always circulating in his mind. John the Baptist, John the Baptist, what did I do? How could I have ever done that horrible deed? And, and I just have, I have a word for Herod and the Herods that may uh, be able to relate to, to people who may be able to relate to his quandary. It's not John, it is Jesus. I know that you're stuck in a time of your life where you made a terrible mistake, but it's not John, it is Jesus. And I, I want the sad one to weep no more, it is Jesus. And he has come to seek and save that which was lost. He has come to give life and that more abundantly. 
We exist as a body to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He hath anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. I have come with a message for everyone today who can relate with Herod, where even hearing the good news of Jesus actually doesn't seem to affect you much at all because you're just stuck in your mind, in your mistake, in your failure, in your lapse in judgment, in your lack of character, in the most fatally flawed moment of your life, and you don't think there's any way out. I've come to tell you there's a way out. And his name is Jesus. There's nobody here who has done anything worse than Herod did by taking off the head of John the Baptist. And yet the Lord would save whosoever will. You hear what the word of the Lord tells us. It is the Father's good pleasure to give unto his children the kingdom. I want you to know that you are meant to be blessed of the Lord. I've come today to tell you that you are meant to be blessed of the Lord. I, don't worry about the person next to you. I'm talking to them too, but I'm talking to you. You are meant to be blessed of the Lord. You are meant to have miracles abound in your life. You are meant for your life to become healthy, wealthy, and well. You are meant to rise above the challenges that you are currently facing. You are meant to be sound in your mind and have power and love abound in your spirit. You may not believe it now, but by the help of God, we're going to try to convince you of it by the power of the Word of God and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. We want to persuade you to expect God to bless you. God wants to bless you. He wants to pour out blessings upon you. He wants to open the windows of heaven and let rivers pour out into your life and to fill you to overflowing with love and joy and peace and hope. And I will preach it until you believe it in Jesus' name. I will declare it until it counters every lie. The devil has been whispering in your ear. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want you to know that God knows the thoughts that he has for you. He knows the thoughts that he thinks toward you. These are thoughts of peace. These are thoughts of peace. They are not thoughts of evil. And they are there to give you an expected end. Hallelujah. An expected end. I expect the blessing of the Lord in the end. I may not know what's going to happen next, but I expect God to bless me. I will, I will not stand up here and lie to you and tell you that you can just live any old way you want to live and think that God will bless your mess. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that you can defy his nature and his character and his commandments and then expect the blessing of God to just come leaping into your life. No, God tells you how to be blessed. The first thing we're going to deal with today is sin. We're going to tell you that sin is an impediment to the blessing of God in your life. 
If you think that God's going to bless you, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to step away from the stuff that he will not bless because he's not a liar and it's impossible for him to lie. And so you're going to have to step away from the stuff that God says, I will not bless. This is what he said. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Now here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if the wicked will turn from their wickedness, the Lord said, I will remember their wickedness no more. It is also true that if the righteous will turn from their righteousness, he will remember their righteousness no more. This wicked and righteous thing is not a game with God. It might be a game in the popular culture of 2023, but it's not a game with God. Hallelujah. I want you to know that preaching against sin is not hate speech. Preaching against sin is love speech. God hates sin. Not because he's a hater, but because he loves you and sin prevents you from being with him. No flesh will glory in his presence. Sin and the carnal mind is enmity against God. God hates sin, not because he's a hater, but because he loves you and he wants to be in fellowship and in covenant with you. The Bible says that if we regard iniquity in our heart, then the Lord does not hear our prayers. You've got to deal with the sin issue. Now, I've come to tell you how to deal with the sin issue. Number one, repent. Turn. Mm. Turn from your wicked ways. Hallelujah. You need to know that you can repent without crying, and it's possible to cry without repenting. I like it better when people cry while they repent. Just kind of makes it feel a little bit more weighty when somebody is really heartfelt and serious about turning from their wicked ways. But the issue is not crying. The issue is turning. The Bible says that Esau was a profane man. He was a fornicator and that he found no place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. That doesn't mean that God wouldn't forgive him. Some people read that scripture and they say, oh, poor Esau, he sought it carefully with tears and God wouldn't forgive him. No, that's not what that means. That means he would cry about it, but would never make a change. He would weep in the altar and go out and do exactly what he was doing before service started. It means he would weep, but he would not turn from his wicked ways. I've come to call somebody today to turn from your wicked ways. We had a man in our church that, that growing up that came, he had been a preacher and he turned his back on God, lived a life of sin and wickedness and, and turned his back on God, turned his back on the ministry and on his family and, and he came back to God later in life and he was so remorseful and repentant, which are two different things. And he came to the front of the church on an Easter Sunday morning and he knelt down at that altar and he began to weep hot tears of repentance, we would call it. It was forceful 
weeping, asking God to forgive him and to empower him to change his ways. And, and, and we left for afternoon lunch on Resurrection Sunday. But by the time we came back to the Sunday evening service, he was still in the altar weeping before the Lord. And I'm glad to tell you that he turned that day and he lived the rest of his life for the Lord. And when he passed on, he was ready to meet God in his heart. Hallelujah. I want somebody to understand today, you can change, you can turn. Doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. Doesn't matter how many times you, you threw in the towel. Doesn't matter how many times you've walked away. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Get up out of that grave. Rejoice not against me, O oh mine enemy, for when I fall. I've come to shout it on the hilltops today. When I fall, I shall arise. Hallelujah. God wants to bless you. But you got to get that sin out of your life. And, I, and I, I've also, I'll also let you know I will not lie to you today, okay? I've come to tell you the truth, not lies. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that bad things will not happen to good people. I will, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get up here and act like that, that just because you're right with God and, and you're, you're in a good place that every, absolutely everything is going to go exactly as you want it. Bad things do happen to good people. But I want you to understand this, that, that when you're blessed of the Lord, somehow, don't ask me how, Somehow, God allows a blessing to emerge, even in the most tragic of circumstances. I don't know how to explain that, so I'm not going to try the human's work of explaining things I don't understand. But I do know there is a joy unspeakable. I do know there's a joy that no tongue can tell. I do know that I can reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to that which shall be revealed afterwards. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to know that God's going to bless you. I said God's going to bless you. You turn from your wicked ways. You walk with the Lord. You get up every day and walk with him, and he will turn every curse into a blessing. Everything that the devil meant for evil, and I mean everything. I said everything. I cast down imaginations in Jesus' name. Everything that the devil meant for evil, God is going to turn it to good. Hallelujah. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, that's how good God is. You can have all these terrible circumstances and, and, and go through all of this bad stuff. You can even turn your back on God. And you can live in a wicked life. You shouldn't. God's not going to honor it. But, but the moment you turn, God will go back retroactively and turn everything you did wrong into something positive for the kingdom of God. Don't ask me how. He's a good God. That's how. He's a... He's a mighty good God. That's how. Let me give you an example. That's how a Nick Mahaney can live a life 
completely rebelling against the Lord and falling away from God, turning his back upon the gospel that his father preached and live a life of sin and rebellion against God. And that's what it was, and that's what it was, and it was horrible, and it was wicked, and it was terrible. But the moment he turned to the Lord, the same Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters and said, let there be light, and there was light. That same Spirit went back over the life of Nick Mahaney and said, I can use that. I can use that. I'll use your drug addiction for my glory. I'll use your prison sentence for my glory. I'll use this hurt you received for my glory. I'll use all your bad decisions for my glory. And that's how that man of God can stand in this pulpit when he comes through Cincinnati and give hope to the hopeless and give faith to the unbeliever and help somebody to believe again that the Lord is good. What is that? That's the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. You can have the blessing of man. I don't want it. I want the blessing of the Lord. You keep the money. You keep the houses. You keep the lands. I will not sell my soul. I will not compromise in order to achieve the blessing of man. I want the blessing of God, and that's it. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from above. All of them. Every one of them do. There's not a one that doesn't. Now there's some nice looking gifts that can come from this earth. There can come appealing gifts that can come from this earth. I don't want those. They're full of sorrow. They're full of toxicity. They're full of deadly poison. I want the blessing of the Lord and nothing else. And when you're walking with him, Every day is a blessed day. Hallelujah. I may not understand why certain things have to happen, but bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Now, let me tell you this part. This is the part I like. And all that is within me. That's the part I like. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me. See, it's the all that is within us that has trouble blessing the Lord. Because you got some bitterness in you. You got some resentment in you. You got some unbelief in you. You got some anxiety in you. You got some fear in you. You've got some self-loathing in you. But, but this is what the psalmist said. All that is within me. Are you listening? Are you listening? Hey, you anxiety, you doubt, you fear, your bitterness, you're, you, you're dwelling on past mistakes. You better lift up your hands and give God praise. No, no, no. You're not just going to camp out in my spirit and fester until I'm a toxic, bitter soul. No, everything in me has to praise the Lord. My past has to praise him. My life experiences have to praise him. The good times, the bad times, all of it has to praise the Lord.
all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Four leprous men sitting at the gate. They said, you know we're going to die here, right? There's a famine and we're lepers. And they said, why don't we just get up and go into the camp of the Syrians? And what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to kill us? Well, we're going to sit here and we're going to die. If we go in there and they kill us, that means we're going to die. We've got two options. Die out here, die out, die in there. Sometimes that's how you got to look at life. Just say, what am I doing? Why, why don't I just go on in to the thing God has positioned me for? And they said, let's just go in. But here's the third possible option. They might have mercy on us. I love it when you come to your senses and realize there might be mercy. Whew. Look at your neighbor, tell him, have mercy. I've come to tell you about a God who has mercy. And they said if I go on in, there might be some mercy in the camp. So they go into the camp of the Syrians and they're all ready to make their case, plead their cause, tell everybody we're here, we're sorry, we know we're lepers, we know you hate us, and you, we know that you're going to kill us, but... And when they got in there, there was nobody at registration. No receptionist was on duty that day. They started looking around the halls and up and down in the rooms and calling, whistling, woohoo, and nobody was coming out. And they realized that nobody was inside the camp of the Syrians, but everything was there as if people were living there. There was plenty of food. There was plenty of drink. There, were plenty, there was plenty of silver and plenty of gold. There were plenty of raiment. There was everything they needed in life that they could never get in a famine. All of it was inside of this camp. They go into one camp tent and there's Chick-fil-A. They go into another tent there's Chipotle. And they're just eating. It's like Thanksgiving Day. Y'all, I had a plate of seconds that looked like the first. It was the, it was the alpha and the omega. It was the first and the last. It, there, was, there was no difference between this second and what had just happened a moment ago. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. This, this was like Thanksgiving Day extravaganza from one tent to the next. Finally, they looked at each other and said, this isn't right. We're not right. We're not, being, we're not doing well to keep all of this and hoard it for ourselves. And so, so they said, we just got to tell somebody. Ooh, hallelujah. I would to God you just throw back your head sometime and tell somebody how good God has been to you. They go running out of the camp telling the king. And, of course, they're lepers. they got to be kept at bay. So they tell the messenger, and the messenger tells the porter, and the porter tells the butler, and the butler tells the advisor, and the advisor tells the assistant, and the assistant tells the associate. And the associate finally gets it to the king, waking him up in the middle of the night. And the king comes staggering out of his room, and he said, let me get this straight. There's a camp of the Syrians, our mortal enemies, and it is full of Food and drink and raiment and silver and gold. You're going to tell me that's actually the case? They said, that's what, that's what we've been told. He said, well, listen, I may have been born at night. But it wasn't last night. 
But here's what the king didn't know. That Syrian army that had camped out against the nation of Israel, God's still protecting Israel. That camp that was camped out against the nation of Israel, the Bible says that they heard the sound of horses going by. And they heard the sound of chariot wheels turning. And they, they believed that the Egyptians and the Hittites had joined forces with the Israeli army and were going to come against their encampment. And they got afraid and they up and ran away and left all of their belongings, abandoned all of their goods. That's what happened. And, 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 and somebody said, well, man, the Lord must have helped them hear something that wasn't there. No, 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 no. See, see, that's what you got to understand about the things of God. It was just a chapter prior to that that, or, that, that that the Lord allowed Elisha and Gehazi to look out from Elisha's front porch and see the whole mountainside filled with the chariots of God and fire. And Elisha said to Gehazi, they that be with us are more than they that be with him. It wasn't that they heard something that wasn't there. They heard something they could not see but was very much there. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. God is already working your enemy over on your behalf. He's making the... Even when you don't see it, he is working. Even when you don't feel it, he is working. He never stops. No, he never stops working. Waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Woo! They heard something go just whirling by. It was chariot wheels and horses. They were hearing the, the angel armies of God. The Lord of hosts was among them. They felt it and it scared them and they ran off for fear. That's what the king didn't know. That's what God was doing. Here's what the king was, was about to make the mistake of. He said, listen, I've been down this road. That's part of our problem. We've been down so many roads, we just don't know if we believe that God will actually bless us. I've been down this road. I'll tell you what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to lure us into his camp. So that he can pounce on us. So that he can wreak some sort of havoc in our life. And they said, well, let's at least send an entourage to go see if there's any truth to what is being told us. And so they sent an entourage and there they go. And on the way there, the Bible says that all across the way was silver and gold and precious stones and food and drink. It was along the way. All they had to do was scoop it up and claim it. I'm going to tell you there are blessings in store for you that all you've got to do is scoop it up and claim it. The thing preventing you from the blessing is, is sometimes it's sinful living. Other times it's you mistakenly believing that bad things don't happen to good people so you become surprised when a bad thing does happen to you and, and what you really need to realize is that even the bad thing, God's going to turn it to a blessing. And, and, and then the third thing is, is that sometimes you just won't launch out because you've seen so many people get hurt doing what you're being called upon to do. And you yourself have been so disappointed by people, so many times you've lost 
count and you are struggling to believe that God would ever bless you in the way that I'm telling you. But I'm telling you to shake off the heavy bands of doubt and even personal experience. And believe the word of the Lord. It's blessing time. It's blessing time. It's blessing time. I would to God that we could start looking at our circumstances like this. I don't know how he's going to turn this into a blessing, but I know he is. I don't know how he's going to turn this into something to my benefit, but I know that he is. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. We faced an uphill climb when we were trying to get this, this building permit. And it was, it was struggle, folks. And we had some precious neighbors whom we love very much, but, but they were, at that time, they were, they were opposed to this project. And Montgomery's building up all around us, and it's a beautiful thing, but that was a little intimidating a few years ago to the city. And so they opposed our building project, and, and it just turned into a little bit of a battle. And uh, I got to the point where I was starting to say, okay, God, I thought I was like so like convinced that I heard from you and yet this isn't turning out the way I was expecting it to turn out I started dreading every communication from the city it just wasn't something that I looked forward to and I remember walking into the office one day and it was after one town hall after another and one one uh, just back and forth negotiations and challenges and I walked in one day to the office and there was a letter on my desk from the city of Montgomery and I looked at that and thought, I don't want to open that. I can, I can just tell you what it says. I can just tell you what's in there. And I thought, no, I better open it. I didn't need these five years ago, but <laughs> I, I opened it up. Lord, give me strength, give me grace, give me peace, give me power to accept whatever's coming through the mail here. And I opened it up and pulled out that that letter from the envelope and began to read. Dear Pastor Urshan, a Tree of Life Church, what I began to read was some of the most beautiful, kind, encouraging words from a department head in the city just telling us how grateful they are that we're in the city, that we're a part of their service opportunities, and that, that they feel blessed that we're a part of this community. And I was standing there reading it, and I thought, huh, that's not what I was expecting. And that day was the day the Lord gave me this message. And this is what he said to me, and it's what I'm saying to you. He said, stop expecting the worst and start expecting the blessing." I want that to wash over every one of you right now. I want that word to wash over you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I want it to get down in your spirit and down in your soul. I want you to stop thinking about everything that could go wrong and all the problems you've been through in the past and everything that you could imagine this becoming or that becoming and all the different avenues and all the different roads and possibilities that it could become. It's weighing you down. It's eating at your faith. You need to throw all that away and say, Lord, you are my 
my shepherd, I shall not want. You are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm not afraid of anything that could happen because you are with me. And I know that even when something is a struggle or a challenge, somewhere, somehow, and in some way, you're going to use it for the glory of your kingdom. You can stand with me. I'm, I'm done. I'm done preaching. You can stand with me. But as our musicians come here, hear me. I was sitting in one of those town hall meetings. And while I was sitting in that meeting, there was a, there was just one person after another opposed to what we were doing. It, it turned into an avalanche. It started getting a little bit of a complex. And uh, uh, my daughter, Anna, was sitting next to me and she said, Dad, I've never seen like, people hate you before. But he said, I saw a few people I think may actually hate you. And I said, well, I might be able to introduce you to a few others, but, but I think you might be, might be right about some. And, and, and it, was just a, it was just the craziest thing. And I was sitting there and it was just, it was like an avalanche. It was overwhelming. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I felt the, the presence of my heavenly father. That's, what I, that's, how I, that's actually what I knew him to be in that moment. He, he came down and I knew and I felt this is my heavenly father. And this is what he said to me in that moment. He said, I'm not going to let you care about this anymore. And he took it off my shoulders just like that. Just like that. It was like he didn't appreciate the pile on. And he was just like, nope, not going to happen. And he just lifted it off my shoulders. And people just kept coming up and saying things that weren't very kind. And I, but I just, actually, it was pretty, I stopped caring. It was alarming because I didn't care. Like I, like, I really, no, I'm serious. I didn't care. I didn't care about nothing. I didn't care what they were saying. I didn't care if we got the permit. And I thought, Lord, is it okay that I don't care? Because I really don't care. And the Lord said, you, this is what he taught me in that moment. He said, you have exalted care to a pedestal it doesn't belong on. You have equated it with the word love, and it is not equated with the word love. Care is a burden. It's something you carry. It is a weight. And if you'll cast your cares on me, I will care for you. We think that scripture, we think that scripture means cast your cares upon him for he careth for you. We think it means cast your cares on him because he loves you and he does love you. But that's not what that scripture is saying. That scripture is saying cast your cares upon him and he will carry it for you. You don't have to carry it anymore. You just, 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 just drop it and the Lord will catch it. Hallelujah. And carry it for you. And you don't have that weight on your shoulders anymore. And you can go where you need to go and get where you're trying to be because the Lord your God is here to bless you. Yes, yes, even, even you. 
miracle signs and wonders miracle signs and wonders miracle signs and wonders multiplication abundance and beauty and bounty love and joy and peace and goodness and hope and faith and miracles and signs and wonders and mercy and power and miracles and power and glory and love and signs and wonders in Jesus name somebody reach out right now and say Lord I believe Lord, I believe. I'm opening these altars right now in the name of the Lord. I want somebody to run to the front of this house and say, God, I'm expecting the blessing, not because I feel entitled, but because I'm getting a revelation of how good of a God you are and how much you love me and how much you want to bless me. And I receive that into my spirit right now. I receive that into my spirit right now, Lord. I receive that into my spirit right now. Come on, Herod. It's not John, it's Jesus. It's not your past, it's your future. It's not your mistake, it's your forgiveness. Good things are on the way. I said good things are on the way. Good things are on the way. Come on, that's it. It's about to change. It's about to change. It's about to shift right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, let it shift. Let the paradigm shift. Come on, let your understanding sharpen. Let your faith rise in Jesus' name. Come on, that's it. Praise him like it's done. Praise him like it's done. Thank him for it now. Thank him for it right now. Thank him for it right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I tried with all my mind. Come on, thank him for it right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. 